We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a quick-hitting Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. It's myself, Jake Burns. Andrew Spade joins me. What's up, buddy? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, one of the better weekends of football of the year. The divisional round just wrapped up. Watched the uh, Bills lose a heartbreaker to the Chiefs. And so if, you know, now we're at that point where it's three games in the NFL season left, and they're all kind of spectacles in and of themselves. Yep. Uh, it's basically all over but the shouting as far as I'm concerned. So it's... Uh, tough times, Jake. As I mentioned earlier this week, start looking at rugby, other forms of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're a basketball fan, but uh, you got to find something else to scratch the itch because there's not much football left. I just realized we've come on here lately and just been very doom and gloom. The weather sucks. Football's <laughs> ending. <laughs> That's been our MO. But yeah, this the, the divisional round is like the end of because yeah. you're, you're past the college stuff and you're past the NFL's like end of the season, obviously. And then the wild card feels like, and then you know the wild card, you got a little more football. And then next weekend, you got one game Saturday, one game Sunday. And it's like, when's the second game start that day? Because there is none. And it's weird. And yeah, we're at the end here. But the end has brought some good football outside of Houston, Baltimore, which we've, uh, which we we haven't really even talked about those games. We predicted them, but we didn't talk about them. So we can hit on each game and have one talking point of each game real quick. Uh, Baltimore, Houston, Baltimore defense, really good. That's all I have to take away, man. I mean, Lamar played phenomenally, and I think he's ready to win a Super Bowl. But that defense had um, some wild blitz stuff drawn up. And that I just left it jealous. Like, that is a game that the Browns should have done some similar wild blitz stuff to Houston, and they didn't do it. And you could tell, even though I thought CJ navigated some of it pretty well to not turn the football over, they were overwhelmed with that outcome. And and then too, we should mention, I mean, Kansas City pulls off a road upset. The biggest theme still is get home games because they matter so much um, to to the to your outcome. So not rocket science there, but only two teams have won on the road of eight eight postseason games here. So that still holds true. But yeah, Baltimore's ready to win a Super Bowl, Andrew, and that is uh it's not fun to watch. It does feel that way. Boy, I really am rooting hard for somebody to give Mike McDonald a job, right? Because get that guy out of the division ASAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think we, we kind of talked going into that one that it would be a great for, – for Browns fans that like to have a, a more league-wide perspective, that game was a great measuring stick of, of where the Browns defense and the Ravens defense are because what's, what's interesting, Jake, is we've had this ongoing conversation about how the Browns – this past year, maybe at some times, feasted on bad quarterback play, right? And mm-hmm. obviously, 
every defense that's good is going to do that. But the the Ravens doing what they did to a really good quarterbacks in C.J. Stroud and a, and I think a pretty good offensive game planner in Bobby Slowick gives you an idea that they can match up with anybody and and give anybody nightmares on a one game sample. That's something for the Browns to aspire to, frankly. And part of what we will be asking going into twenty four is can the can Schwartz throw a curveball? Can the Browns really shut down a premier quarterback? Because they're going to see some, right? They're playing the AFC West uh, this year. They're, so they get Mahomes, they get Herbert, right? They're they're playing the NFC East. They're going to get Prescott. They're going to get, I mean, I don't know if you consider Jalen Hurts elite anymore after what's happened, but yeah. they're going to get some good quarterbacks is my point, plus what they get in the division every year. So there, there is ample opportunity for Jim Schwartz to really dial some stuff up this offseason to prove that he can do what Mike McDonald just did. But I think it's going to be a question. No, I think I think it absolutely is. And it remains, again, we've talked about this. We don't have to go through it again. The biggest question of the ability to adapt. We'll see if they do. Um, I'm kind of hoping that although they obviously um, are doing a lot of offensive maneuvering, I still wouldn't mind adding some defensive thinking prowess too. So we'll see Agreed. if they do that. San Francisco, Green Bay, 24-21. That was a fun ball game. I think Green Bay left that game in San Francisco, dropped opportunities. Brock Purdy, you know, got that magic that he sends to put in, uh, tends to put into these games and got through a lot of throws that I thought were very dicey. Green Bay missed too many opportunities. Give credit to San Francisco late. They went down and scored. Ultimately, I think San Francisco is the more complete team, but I didn't think they deserved to win that game. And then, you know, Jordan Love making the humongous first-year starter mistake there at the end. Still a very good team. Green Bay had a chance to make a very similar run to Aaron Rodgers' early career. I think they went 9-7 and seven and won the Super Bowl that year, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. So they had a chance to get it done there, and I'll give them credit. That was one team I did not want to play because Green Bay was really sort of peaking at the right time, and Aaron Jones is running like he's 25, and they were not fun to play against. But um, San Francisco – uh, gets away with one and that's again uh, a matter of playing at home in my opinion Even yeah I think I think home field definitely had something to do with it I think that the ball bounce of the ball stuff the 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 rookie kicker for the Packers the, the Green Bay didn't expect to be in that position so mm-hmm. not having an answer at kicker you you kind of can't fault them but at, at the point that they knew they were going to be playing playoff football having somebody else that could come in made sense to me but it it cost him. That was Cade Yorkian, what he did in that game. And so you, you feel bad for the Packers because I agree with you. They had every opportunity, some dropped interceptions. It just overall felt like a team that finally kind of ran out of depth, whereas San Francisco, Debo Samuel is hurt, but you still see Juwan Johnson, guys like that, uh, stepping up and, and filling in when uh, the, their main guys weren't getting it done. So 49ers advance, Lions, Tampa, 31-23, Lions get it done. I'll give the Lions fans credit. That place knows how to. For a team that hasn't been in the playoffs much, quiet on offense, ridiculously loud on defense. They nailed that. They go to San Francisco now. But talking about this game itself, uh, I, I mean, again, if you're going to peel away one side of this from a Browns fan perspective, it's that, you know, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> I mean, I thought he put together some warrior stuff here. Now he made, I think, one really bad throw. Lions got him at the end with a fire zone. They rolled. Two off of his left side, took the backside edge, rolled him out, and I think Baker thought the dig was going to be open behind it, uh, that that dropping edge, and he wasn't, covered it up really well. So 
that part of it sucks. But I think the the biggest thing, you know, for 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 Mayfield is like he salvaged a career. I, I thought when he left, Andrew, um, and why I thought the Bucks could be a little better this year than some people gave them credit for, and they weren't great, right? They were they were nine and eight and limped to division, but they still won it, right? Is uh, I thought Mayfield was a better quarterback than he put on tape the last year with Carolina, and it does seem like he rectified you know, his career here, he's going to start somewhere again. I don't know if there's a big contract because the way this game ended reminded us of who Mayfield is even a really strong stellar season. It always will feel like Mayfield is a quarterback that if he's at his absolute best can get you to the point that he just can't get you past. Right. So I have friends. I talk about this on the pod a lot. Big Tampa fans went to college with them and they're like, we're still want to draft quarterback. I mean, that's, that's just kind of where they're at. I don't know if they ultimately will, uh, but they want to, but but Mayfield deserves credit while also kind of reminding you of he cannot win those big moments. He really, in, in crunch time moments that define careers, he is the guy that just can't get you past those spots. And I think a reminder of why the Browns felt, you know, compelled to not give him a huge contract and try to swing on something else. Now, look, that doesn't mean the Browns decision is going to work out. But I do like to remind you of why the Browns felt like their back was up against the wall and they had to do something at quarterback. And I think that this is the this is the example of that, even though people will say, you know, you could do worse than Mayfield, you know, like I get it. But they're trying to solve it in a way that puts them in the AFC championship or the other divisional round type of quarterback play with, you know, with Mahomes and Allen. Yeah, you see at this level, this round, you start to see the limitations of some of these quarterbacks really come out to the forefront and it can stop teams from advancing any further, right? So you're trying to fix that. The Browns took a big swing. I think we don't fault them for the thinking that led to that big swing. It It's understandable. I think now there's other options that feel like they would have made more sense, but hindsight is always 20-20. As far as Mayfield goes, yeah, I think he deserves a ton of credit to for not giving up and not like falling into the trap of only playing one way and, and finding some, he improved, I think is, is what I'm trying to say. He improved from last year to this year in a way that I didn't think he was capable of. I thought some of his bad habits were sort of baked in at this point. And I think that was the difference. You know, when we were talking about some of our preseason predictions that went right last week, I, I heard you being bullish on the Buccaneers on that show and, Jordan and I were pretty dismissive, and I think you had that right because Baker did show some growth. But then, as you say, in the in the ultimate moment when the chips are down, he's he feels very much like the same quarterback. Which, yeah, whatever team he's on, you got to feel like if you need him to go win the game rather than just not lose it, you are in trouble. He at his best, which again was this year, he was at his best. Can can be a guy you win with. Still just not a guy you win because of. But there are not enough uh, quarterbacks who are guys that you can win with either. So he has a place. He's a starter in this league. It's just a matter of like, you know, teams want better. They want more. Like Kirk Cousins is the top of the totem pole in this type of quarterback, whereas Mayfield may get to Kirk Cousins level someday. But for now, you're going to see teams that Tampa's a great study here of maybe we can do better and we probably want to do better, but there could be a Geno Smith type contract out there for him, right? With a couple of years and then uh, you can get out of that deal type of thing. You got to pay attention to the language of it, you know? Yeah. Some of the reporting today before the game had, had him potentially getting 40 to $45 million a year, which I think is it's spicy. Yeah. Awfully, 
awfully spicy, but it takes one team. As, as we always say with the NFL, it takes one team. The Buccaneers don't have a clear path because they made it to the division round of the playoffs, so they're not going to be drafting early. They don't have yeah. a really a clear path to drafting a, a young quarterback that could step in next year and start. So how they handle it is interesting because they now face the same decision that the Browns faced two years ago, right? It's as simple as that. And how these teams navigate it becomes interesting because some teams choose competence over the the upside. And by one way of thinking, you can't blame them because yeah. it could result in things that we're talking about this offseason. Let's put it, it that way. Yeah, right? precisely. And I think there are the, the the hard truth is that there are owners that the first priority is not winning a Super Bowl. It's competing enough to put butts in the seats and sell merchandise. And if you're nine and eight every year, that's acceptable. And I think the the folks in Tampa definitely fit that category. Having just won a Super Bowl a few years ago, they probably feel like Jason Lick probably feels like if I sign Baker Mayfield to a four-year contract, I've got like two, three more years of job security. And then maybe you could take another swing at another quarterback because you get some goodwill off of that. Yeah. We've talked about this, how, not all decisions are made for everybody with, without the idea of how do I keep a job. So Mayfield might be right place, right time on this one. We'll see. But but again, you know, kudos to him. He's playing divisional round football, and he played pretty well for the most part, just couldn't get it done. Uh, the other one is the Bills losing once again. They host a divisional round game two straight years of this. And I'm going to read you this, Andrew. So 2019, um, so 2018, the rookie year for, for Josh Allen, they don't make the playoffs. They go 6-10. and 10. year after they made the playoffs with Terod Taylor, I think. Um, if I remember correctly, yeah, they went nine and seven, made the playoffs, lost to the Jags 10, three and 17, they go six and 10 and 18. And then here's the run. So they go 10 and six in 2019. They, they lose to, uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans 22, 19 next year's 2020. They go to the conference championship. They lose to Kansas city in KC 38, 24, 21. They beat the Patriots pretty handily in the wild card and then, um, lose that historic back and forth battle with the chiefs in KC. As we know, last year they hosted uh, the Bengals in the divisional round and got the doors blown off 27-10 in a non-competitive game, I felt like. And then this year um, they, they they win the wild card and then they lose to the Chiefs um, at home, uh, 27-24. It's got to be a really, really stressful time for everybody involved with the Bills. We talked about this before the game and we picked it, but this outcome is now putting them in some dangerous territory of, uh, potential changes, right? Like we're going to talk about Ken Dorsey in a minute who the Browns interviewed, but I, I just think that they have been looking for the right people to fire to get this right. And they did that with Ken Dorsey and um, some misconceptions about that. But the game plan was interesting tonight. And now they're like five years into six years into Josh Allen and they have nothing to, to show of it yet. And I would imagine it's really, really stressful uh, for the Bills, who are now getting older, the defense turnovers right in front of them. A lot of the stalwarts on that side are sort of aging out. You know, Stephon Diggs isn't getting any younger. And if you look around that wide receiver situation outside of Diggs, it's not uh, it's not all too promising, right? And then on the flip side, Kansas City with like Marquez Valdez Scantling, Rasheed Rice, Nicole Hardman, a, a really patchwork group of wide receivers is once again six straight times into the conference championship of the AFC. So historic type of game and there could be some huge ramifications that come from it right yeah the bills are 48.6 million over the cap for 24 as of now so 
there's there, there's sort of a multi-season thing, and you did a great job of laying out what it has been for the past few years. And the tough thing, Jake, is that it's hard to say that they've come particularly close. Obviously, the 2020 AFC Championship game, but it's now three straight years in the divisional round that they're not yeah. even getting to the yeah. AFC Championship game. So they unquestionably have a good team. Josh Allen is a totally unique quarterback in terms of his ability to take over a game with his running and throwing. Uh, I know that Lamar does similar things, but there's a force of will because of Josh Allen's size that Lamar lacks. And sometimes I think Josh can impose himself physically. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And it's not to say that it makes him a better player. I think it makes psychologically what he does sometimes to teams a little bit more. It feel, you feel it a little bit more. I think sometimes where Lamar, it almost feels like death by a thousand paper cuts and which is frustrating in its own way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like what he did to Houston yesterday, the number of times that that fourth down play that was gorgeous with the reverse out and it's him and Morgan Moses pulling around the corner and he, he just dances and it's, looks effortless but for the bills watching that game down the stretch allen has two chances on that last drive where they they're running clock it's down inside the two minute warning on second and third down he has open receivers underneath and he elects not to take them and and throws for the end zone throws aggressively doesn't run clock and then obviously they miss the field goal but before they're kicking the field goal. Those two plays, you have to be thinking, I need to complete these passes because not only do I want to try and get us closer, but the clock needs to continue to run so that we take as much time as possible from the Chiefs to give our defense a chance to hold them from from getting a field goal. So in those moments, that last drive, I felt like his decision-making short-circuited like three different times. There was also a a third down earlier that I don't know. I was only watching the TV. I, I don't know if it was a busted play or what, but he took one look and then pulled it down on like a third and 12 or something like that that just felt really impatient. He's a great, great quarterback, but he, he the big difference to me between him and Mahomes and even Lamar to some extent is in those big moments, he makes some really head-scratching decisions. And it, it when... I, I think when you're in this situation, you're talking four years in a row, you have to start asking those really difficult questions about the quarterback. You kind of, we just mentioned it with Mayfield, right? That you know if Mayfield gets the ball late and he needs to go down and score up, score points, that you're in trouble because he's going to force the throw. With Allen, it feels like when it's late, he is going to make a bad decision or two that are going to, it's going to cost you. Yeah. And especially amazing that they couldn't get that done considering the fumble. You know, it's 27, 24 and they get that fumble down. What was it at the, at their own, like three yard line, two yard line. It was a total reprieve after that fake punt. It was, I mean, (laughs) this was a a, a really well-played game for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, it turned into a drunken brawl. Yeah. And neither team, I think showed off their best selves down the stretch, but the chiefs did just enough. Yeah. The bills are. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for that fan base because they endured some stuff in the '90s that no fan base has ever gone through. And then, uh, obviously, now they've run this four straight. And you're right. Like it's not like they're losing conference championships. Three of the four are divisional round games. They can't seem to get over the hump. I don't think. 
I don't think Josh Allen is quite a complete quarterback yet. Maybe he needs these experiences to figure that out. And there's just something missing from that place. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something there's something missing. And again, it could be as simple as Josh being more intelligent in bigger moments. Could be something more. They could be too beat up to make it this year, right? We've talked about that. I don't know, but but it's got to be. I, I mean, again, you're like covering that team. I always think about it from covering it yeah. and how you're talking to your fans after these losses. These, oh, it's these, a gut like, punch. These, yeah, these, these brutal, brutal losses. So, I mean, they did save their season. Give them credit. They were 6-6 six and six or something like that, and we were burying them because it looked like they were to be buried. They salvaged it, put themselves in a position to go to the championship round, but my early thought is neither of these teams are beating Baltimore. That's my early thought. I probably thought Buffalo had a better chance, but I don't get the vibe either of these teams are beating Baltimore and Baltimore. What's your early thought on that? Yeah, I, I gave Buffalo a little bit more chance for exactly the reason that I mentioned before, that Josh Allen can – Yeah, he's the equalizer when you've got that defense really schemed up. There's nobody open, and he can just make sort of freakish plays. Mahomes can do a little bit of that, but he's not the athlete that Josh Allen is, I don't think. So, no. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's probably the the Ravens. You know, they're they're three and a half point favorites. They are playing at home. They've got a really good chance to go to the Super Bowl, and I make them favorites against either remaining NFC team. So, uh, from from a from my perspective as a fan, really pretty bad outcomes across the board this weekend in terms of rooting interest, because I would always, I would be happy for the people of Buffalo to get a championship. I, yeah. I lived in Wisconsin for a long time, very sympathetic to Packers fans, even though they've had it way too good for way too long. But I do, I do harbor some, some goodwill towards the Packers. And then obviously you, you want to see the Ravens lose. So I was oh for three. And then I, I'm, I'm excited about the lions, but it it feels very strange to be on fully on the Lions bandwagon, knowing that any of the other three options would be pretty boring or yeah. in the case of Baltimore, obviously genuinely horrifying. The only thing I'll <laughs> say, Jake, is there uh there's a there's gotta be a chance. There's gotta be a chance that the Ravens winning the Super Bowl leads to John Harbaugh stepping away, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.
Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, they're, they're going to get poked. There's three outcomes that are good if the Ravens do, and I think we're in the, the middle of that now. The Ravens season has become so respected. Either of these coordinators get hired away, you know, because Monken Ideally with, both. Yeah, Monken with uh, Lamar is a real that's a real problem. And then, um, yeah, we already know on the flip side what they're doing on the defense. So, yeah, and then the other one is Harbaugh maybe does step away. But yeah, they they um they don't make sense. <laughs> I, I said it during the game. The Browns on paper, you would take a lot of the Browns' position groups. Yet these guys are. They're overachieving so well, and they play such a good collective brand of football, like getting real pass rush contributions from Clowney, big pass rush contribution. Now, their defensive tackles were really good in that game. Matabike and Travis Jones and some of these others, uh, Pierce, Michael Pierce in there too, but like you're getting real contributions from from Clowney and like Kyle Vinoy throughout the year. And then I'm telling you, man, I couldn't name many corners that they have outside of Humphrey. It's It's... It's not a good group, and yet they're they're still shutting down passing attacks. Like, you know, they lose Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. We knew who he we knew he had talent, but he's figured it out. This cast of wide receivers, and that's you know, that's credit to Lamar for just being. You nailed it when you said death by a thousand cuts. He is the most annoying player to play against, and I mean that with the most respect possible. He is never. There is no play that is dead. You have to be so fundamentally sound about where you are at all times. And he can just, <laughs> he's got a way about him. That's all I can say. He's got a way about him. And, and I'll tell you what, man, he makes a ton of the right decisions, like a ton of the right decisions in the most, again, I don't know other way to say it than the most annoying way possible. He's really, really consistently making a lot of the right decisions. And um, I am very fascinated though, to see how he plays on the biggest of stages because we haven't really seen him there. This will be his first conference championship. And um, we know KC has a pretty good defense and they can do some things to confuse some people. I'm excited to watch that one. Excited to watch the Detroit Lions, man, in the conference championship on the other side. And, and again, San Francisco can be had. They can be had. So that game is that game's a toss-up. We'll get into those later in the week. Real quick, we want to hit on two things going out the door. First is the, um, well, really it's two interviews. 
that we learned about this weekend. First is Ken Dorsey. So, um, you know, immediate reaction from people is that they see Ken Dorsey is the guy who gets the blame for the Bills' early losses in the season. You follow enough Bills people, you'll come to realize like that firing was not as black and white as it seems in terms of outcomes. And if you're a casual fan, you think that what? why would they interview Ken Dorsey? The, the Bills turned their season around when he left. Well, it doesn't seem like that's the most true thing out there, Andrew. I mean, I think there's some data that says he was a little bit of the scapegoat, maybe meant to put a like a shock of scare into the offense about how they were playing before he was fired, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know with all this stuff because you're looking at it from the outside, right? So is there something beyond the stats in terms of his demeanor, his work with the players, that sort of stuff that made it necessary to get him out of there? We don't know that, right? That has not been reported as of yet. But from a statistical standpoint, the Bills were a better offense under Ken Dorsey than they were under Joe Brady. So better points per drive, better yards per play, better success rate, better EPA per drive, really across the board. The only the the main way in which they improved was their turnover rate went down 6% from the Dorsey games to the Brady games. So obviously that's good. You don't want to turn the ball over, but we also know how luck-driven turnovers can be, and especially with the Bills and the way that Josh Allen plays football, right? So I do think that from that perspective, Dorsey was a little bit of a victim of circumstance, but I also think it's fair to wonder and worry, given where the Bills were when what their goals were for this season, that they would feel comfortable moving on from an offensive coordinator who had had quite a bit of success through a year and a half to, to, to try and turn their season around. That I do think there is a little bit of breadcrumbs in terms of – now, I, I, there's on the other side, in fairness to Dorsey, Sean McDermott has kind of made a little bit of a habit of scapegoating people in his time in Buffalo. So I really can kind of see this both ways. And I, the only thing I'll say is that it, it's not accurate to say that he had to go for the Bills to be a good offense. They were a good offense before. They were a good offense after. So the question is really, was there something – unrelated to the way that he ran the offense that meant that he had to go that helped the Bills as a team make it through the season and and experience a little bit more resilience. I don't know. That's an unanswered question. And it's something the Browns would be in a much better position to know than us. So from a play calling perspective, he is, and especially from a quarterback coaching perspective, he is towards the top of the game, in my opinion. So when you're talking about getting the most out of Deshaun Watson, which is obviously what all of this is about, that's the that's why there's interest there. Yeah, I would imagine that now that's the most popular, not popular, the most well-known name, right, uh, for them to interview. The other one is Gerard Johnson, which is a name that you're probably like, man, I feel like I've heard of that name before. Well, that's because Gerard Johnson was around the NFL and around football uh, at the NFL level for a long time, around it until 2016. He got opportunities through the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship with San Francisco and then the Colts in 2017 and 2019. Then he was the Colts offensive quality control coach in 2020. 
Minnesota's quarterbacks coach, assistant quarterbacks coach in 2022, and then why he's got a lot of respect. A lot of people view him highly and what's kind of launching him into some conversations like this is he was the quarterback coach there in Houston with CJ Stroud this year. So I would say that Dorsey being the most well-known name gives us a little bit of indication. Now they could be being patient, Andrew, that they're waiting to see some of these playoff guys. You know, the, the NFL's tightened up the rules here a little bit on how some of these guys can be interviewed who are still alive. So there's a chance there's more to be interviewed, but I do still think lean toward the offensive coordinator hire is going to be one that we haven't talked a lot about, or is going to catch a lot of people off guard. I, I really, I really think that there's a chance that it's somebody like Gerard here. Cause it, I mean, if I'm a betting man, I'm saying like 75% sure Stefanski's still calling plays. I just, that's yeah. where I lead. So yeah. I would be surprised. It's really interesting because I mean, Gerard Johnson is younger Alex Van Pelt, right? Like a glorified quarterbacks coach who is going to help out as an OC, but is not really going to be running the offense. And I think you could say the same thing for the offensive line coach from Seattle, right? Andy Wilkerson, like that's a glorified offensive line coach at OC, probably not running the offense all on his own. Now that's fine, right? Because we both think have no problem with the way that Stefanski runs the offense for the most part. But then you start to ask, well, why did the change have to happen? Especially when you get the indication that Stefanski was comfortable with and trusted Alex Van Pelt, right? So it, if it, it feels a little bit like shuffling deck chairs, if you do all of this and end up with the same arrangement where you've got, a glorified position coach as your OC who is helping with game planning, but not really an influential voice in the room. I'm fine with it, but it is also curious. And I, I'm the process. A part of it is what's interesting. A Andrew Barry is going to speak to the media, I believe tomorrow on Monday. So as you're, as you're listening to this, perhaps he, he has already spoken uh, that I want, I, I'm, I mean, I doubt he's going to lay it out, but I am interested if he, he was very candid for him, in his midseason press conference, I am curious if that trend continues with this press conference. Say that. Is your hunch that Kevin made this choice or somebody else? Somebody else. That's that's a huge issue in my opinion. If that if that's to be the case, um, I I would say Andrew that doesn't speak highly for the for the faith that this uh, current regime has in Kevin. I, I don't I don't think you forcing your head coach to make changes is um uh it's not it's not in any way positive i really i really don't think it is if it goes against what he wants and he's being forced to do so i don't think that bodes well for kevin getting an extension i really don't yeah i think it's an interesting question i i i'm on the lookout for more reporting one way or the other about this because i do think it is sort of a pivotal well, wait i screwed that's that's how you know it's late on a sunday night a pivotal question mm -hmm. for the Browns, like you said, not just about this offseason, but where this thing is headed in general, because yeah, you're absolutely right. He is in line for an extension, or he's say it a different way, he's in the last year of his contract coming up in 24. So if they're forcing changes on him to his offensive staff in the last year of his contract, you're right that that does not bode well for him, and he could be coaching for his job this upcoming season and not receiving an extension. I think, I don't, I don't know. Now, it may very well be that by tomorrow, 
Barry announces an extension for him at the press conference. We <laughs> yeah. we don't know this stuff, right? But I, I I do think there's the way that I look at it, Jake, is that there's no sense that I have from anything I've seen anywhere that there was dissatisfaction or dissension between Stefanski and Van Pelt. I can't say that I've noticed anything either. You know, they kind of keep things pretty quiet. I will say maybe, maybe the only evidence that we have, maybe there's a lack of communication or they're in a weird spot was when um, Alex mentioned that Driscoll was the backup quarterback in his presser of the wildcard week when he ended up not being the backup quarterback. It could be nothing or it could be an indication of a lack of communication between two people. So that's the only thing I can add to that. I, we don't have any indication that there was any of that. And it is strange after four years where we would agree that they pieced together something successful by the end of the year, trending up by the things that we talk about. And then they decide to make a really heavy handed move here. So there's a lot of um, in between the lines reporting that hopefully we get from people that are in the know of those sorts of things. Uh, we will see about that over time, but um, yeah, that's it for Monday. That's a lot. There's, there's a couple interviews. We'll obviously keep you uh, apprised to everything that goes on with this press conference with Andrew Barry, what he talks about. We'll be back to cover all of that and plenty more throughout the week of an exciting week of coverage at the uh, OBR Film Breakdown. So, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for stopping by. Have a fantastic Monday and check in with us again on Tuesday for even more Browns content. Until then, be well. Go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.